long day I got a lot to say It feels like I'm carrying a two-ton weight I go see a friend Hello, I'm Monsignor Patrick Winslow. And I am Father Matthew Kauth. And we are speaking from the rooftop. A podcast brought to you by 10 Books, in which we invite you to join our conversation out here in the open air. Where we look out upon the world around us from the rooftop of the church and share with you what we see. Makes me Hello. You know what I was thinking about? What's that? How people relate to the saints. In particular, how they use the example of the saints in their lives. I mean, clearly, we look to them for inspiration. We find the saints that capture our imagination or whose amazing or fantastic stories. But when we try to learn from them to shape and form our own lives... How well, how successful, how unsuccessfully do we do that? And I was having a conversation, you were there with a priest friend. We were talking about the priesthood. And one of the things he was mentioning after celebrating 25 years of the priesthood uh, was how after 25 years, he realizes that there is no one manifestation of the ordained priest. Rather, the, the priesthood of Christ is transmitted through men. And how that man lives uh, in accord with that priesthood is going to have different hues and colors and personalities and particulars. But it, it made me start thinking about the same thing relative to uh, just everybody living their, their own vocational path and looking not to just one model of something. you know. And how often do we look to the saints and we say, I want to be like that, and then we try to put it on in the sense that we try to do what they did and that are we not kind of doing the wrong thing there to some degree are uh, on the one hand you want to imitate the lives of the saints on the other hand you also have to be yourself mm -hmm. so w how do we walk that path in learning from the saints and being formed i'll pause here hmm. because i think i'm kind of propping up the question well enough but nice. i think you and i both have some thoughts on the matter no i think it's a great question and being in seminary formation, you see it pretty consistently every year because the men come to seminary and sometimes they have a saint that they have um, saddled up next to and sometimes saints find them and sometimes they read a book and they say, that's it and I will do that. Take for example, Edith Stein who was, before she became a Catholic, she was in a rainy day and was reading um, the life of St. Teresa of Avila. And she put it down and said, that's truth. And for her, it was one of those revelatory moments where she realized that the faith was, was true. And she didn't necessarily become St. Teresa of Avila, but she did, ironically, become a Carmelite. Um, and so there was there's a, there's a fine line between imitation of the virtues and imitation of the actual person. And so I think that one thing that I say to the men, and I think is I say to myself a lot, is that, is that similitude for St. Thomas Aquinas is a cause of love. In other words, any kind of likeness 
um, is one of the things that causes love in us. There's several things that he speaks about relative to the nature of, of what causes love in us, what causes to love anything. And one of them is just a likeness. And so sometimes when we have uh, the first buddings of a friendship, it, it happens across those moments where we speak about something with a budding friendship and you look at the person and you say, you too, like you see this too. And that likeness of mind is a cause of some kind of a bond between you. But then there's also the, the kind of likeness that you wish you would have and you don't have um, that causes us to love some of the saints. We see them doing something we wish that we could do. And I want to be like that. And I think that our priest friend, one of his, his comments that day was very specific to the diocesan priesthood and the way in which it's a bit difficult because St. John Vianney is held up as the model of the priesthood, which is great and beautiful, but it's also a bit of an aberration the way St. John Vianney lived, only because he lived a solitary life. Um, and so guys usually will read the life of the Curie of ours and put some hot potatoes in their pockets to eat for the whole day mm -hmm. and try to attain sanctity in the way that he was, but he was John Vianney and the spe specificity with which sanctity played out in him. Right, exactly. And I think that it's not just for a seminarian, it's for the average lay faithful who are inspired by these saints and they say, ah, well, Padre Pio slept, you know, on rocks or Padre Pio didn't eat anything for days. So that's what I have to do in order to have this similarity, as you say, the similitude, to have the similarity that I want, that I see in them. And we can have a conversation a little bit about, as you would say, with the virtue and the habitus, you know, that that practicing something so that it becomes a part of us. But from the outset, you don't attain the interior reality by merely putting on the exterior right. one. Right. And in fact, um, you could really exacerbate a problem. So, for example... Um, let's say with a, a saint that they got up, I don't know, 3 a.m. every night and they did a holy hour and all sorts of ascetical practices and then returned to bed for one more hour and then got up. And you think, well, that's what I want to be. I want to be like him or I want to be like her. So I'm going to start doing that. Well, it won't work. Uh, it, well, you may have some benefits uh, in the area of discipline. You may have some benefits in the area of sacrifice, but you're not going to become them mm -hmm. because you can't. There's only one of them. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where we have to kind of walk this balance between looking to the saints for inspiration and learning from them, but at the same time, transposing it into our context, into our lives. You know, and how do you do that? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people make mistakes. I think all of us can say that we've made mistakes in this regard, where we think just by the mimicking or the practicing that that's what does it. Right. Whereas the, the actual exercise in the particular saint, whomever it is, was motivated by an attempt to love him in some fashion. And that's the thing we're supposed to be imitating, not the exact particular. Right, exactly. It's um, not just an action that we're doing. Yeah. It is an act of love. There is a, a, a real devotion. There is a real faith. But there's also a particularity, like St. Saint, Saint Philip Neri, right? Mm. I mean, it, wasn't he a character? Okay, absolutely. I mean, wasn't he just funny and humorous 
he he's a very he's a very difficult character to get right because if you read if you read just the sort of popular literature about him you might be led to believe that he was nothing more than a, a buffoon that made himself a buffoon for the purposes of humility and and while there is a, some truth in that man was brilliant and very serious about serious things but refused to take himself seriously he took god very seriously but as a funny man myself if i <laughs> if I would like to come to his defense that you, you take God be, very seriously. You can have a great sense of humor well, and have to be to. serious. Well, absolutely. And and the point was is that people took themselves very seriously, but not God. Mm-hmm. And so he wouldn't in, in his sort of abject um, humility and desire not to be seen as something that he's not something that God didn't make himself. Um, but rather people saw him oftentimes as they see all the saints as someone who just willed very strongly and then became super holy. Um, he would just destroy that in people and in in relative to their pride. Um, and I think that it's, it's a catch-22, as you say, because, you know, St. Paul even says, you know, be imitators of me, mm-hmm. you know, as I am of Christ, um, that in the image of someone. And so I think people that take on the charism of a saint relative to joining the religious order is because every religious order is in some fashion an aspect of the life of Christ that gets um, placed into relief. So the the poverty of Christ, Christ the teacher, Christ the, the man of, of prayer, um, etc. So all the different religious orders are, are sort of bringing to the fore one aspect of the life of Christ. But even for the faithful, imagine that one of the things we always say about ourselves is that we become our father, we become our mother, right? right? Things of that nature. Because we imitate. We're, we're mimetic beings by nature. We're always imitating other people um, because we don't know what to do. We just had our entrance of um, of our latest class, the golf class. For and the seminary, you're talking for about. For the seminary, yeah. And it's just, it's really enjoyable to watch them because there's so many customs in a house like a seminar that you don't realize, as there are in everyone's normal household. Things that people that live there know exactly what to do and how to do it. But if you're not from there, you don't know what the culture is like and what this bell means and that knock means and and how to make this sign here and this gesture there. That everyone that lives here for a time just feels so relaxed and easy. But for them, they just watch everyone. And so I was at table today at lunch and watching them watch how everyone else ate and how everyone else did things because they don't want to be the odd person out. And there's something to be said for that kind of apprenticeship in the life of faith, in the life, in religious life, in the life of the family, that we are beings that, that need formation and need to have education, to be let out of our particular ignorance and have capacities that, uh, potencies that are brought to, to reality, to actualization. So we have to imitate, but then at what point does the, the liftoff happen? That I've 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 got this, but I'm not going to be you. I, in fact, I need to be me. And what does that mean yeah. relative to uh, being the created, the creative person and the, the sort of the, the unique person that God has desired you to imitate Christ in this fashion? Because no one is going to be the same imitation, the same similitude of Christ as you are. And so, if you're only being someone else, the world is at a loss. It doesn't mm-hmm. get to see what Christ could be making out of you. And the reality is, if you're not trying to be you, then ultimately there is falsity. Yeah. Right? If if you're simply trying to mimic, even with holy intention and with um, uh, uh, 
holy, some holy effect, there's a fundamental problem that it's not you. Mm-hmm. Um, where the whole thing ultimately has to be true and authentic. And the question is, how, how do you um, practice these tools, these um, aids that the saints have held out for us throughout the ages and apply them into our circumstance, into our person, and into our personality, into our moment in history, such that they have a similar effect, but allow you to become more yourself insofar mm-hmm. as you're becoming that whom God well, maybe, is Maybe one way to ask the question I could ask you is, is, what is, who is a saint that you have attempted to imitate? Who is a saint that you admire, that you wanted to be like, and how did it actually take shape? Hmm. I, I, would, I would say that Mother Teresa is certainly one of them. I was going to say that because I've heard you use her so many yes. times in the course of our friendship. Mother Teresa is certainly one of them. And it's not, it, it's interesting because it's, it's, she's not one of these saints where there's a lot to read. Right. Right. Just a few simple words of hers. And they have a way of kind of piercing to the heart of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, being contemporaries in history and watching her impact on the world mm-hmm. uh, was, was so compelling. Whereas ordinarily, we learn about the saints through what they themselves wrote right. uh, or, or what they what was captured about them at the time. In this case, Mother Teresa was a living example and a contemporary example. Um, and, the, and the few poignant words in a context with which I was familiar, right? Because I live during that time. Mm. It was so impactful uh, that it really kind of spoke to me. At the same time, as you know, I'm, I'm close, but I haven't quite reached that same level of abandonment. Um, <laughs> Just and, shy, and, just shy. And total of it. surrender. Uh, I really can't see you in a sari. So. No, no, it's a, called a bathrobe. That's how I've translated that one. You know, it's true though. I mean, that sense of total surrender. I don't know that I ever fell into the trap with Mother Teresa in simply um, mimicking with the hope that it would stick, because there wasn't a whole lot there that I'd be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there, there was one time, though, but there was one time I came across in a little booklet that captured her words, whether they were written or spoken, and they were edited and they were put into sort of topical arrangement. And the one section called humility, uh, at the very beginning, it was an address on the topic of humility where the mother was speaking to her sisters and she wanted to give practical means to being humble Hmm. and she had something like 10 or 12 points Hmm. and things were like um uh refrain from referring to yourself um choose a harder option Mm -hmm. um surrender in arguments i mean they were like very practical daily points Mm. and they're hard and they're hard i mean if you pay attention to yourself how many times you say i or me i never say it you never say it no i i I know exactly (laughs) but but when you think about it right so if you give yourself this so what i did for one month 
I was reading these. I would read them in the morning and I would try to affect them throughout the day. And you would realize how often often. you do you refer to yourself. Uh, Just sometimes in silly sort of nonsensical ways, sometimes in practical ways, other times not. But it's hard. Oh, it's so hard. I had a, a confession one time where a priest of Opus Dei, I think it's one of their practices at times, um, ascetical practices, he gave me the penance of not giving my opinion unless I'm asked for a day. And you realize how many times we can offer an opinion without really being morning. asked Great really, practice. really hard. Um, That's a good. So, let me, so on this one, I tried to do all of these points, right? There was a, what I thought was a throwaway line. You know, you had these enumerated points, one, two, three, four. Mm. And then there was a sort of end cap of a line. It wasn't a proper point. It just simply said, God wants our poverty, not our abundance. Mm. You've used that a lot. Yeah. And it just struck me to the core because at the beginning of the month when I tried this, uh, that line didn't mean much to me. I, I didn't know what she was getting after. But at the end of the month, mm. I realized that the, that was a summary statement of everything that pre, all the preceding practical points, because I realized that through the course of that month, I may be doing things where I'm giving of my gifts and strengths, right? I'm uh, studying and I'm trying to hone my academic skills because I'm in seminary. I'm helping out with this thing and mm. that thing. But meanwhile, every day I wake up and I give myself this 12-point challenge and I fail, 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 <laughs> fail, fail, fail. And at the end of the month, I'm thinking to myself, wow, I didn't do that well. And then I read again that little line, she wants our po- God wants our poverty and our mm, abundance. And I thought sense. to myself, yeah, that's what he wants from me. Yeah. Not all these grand things that I can provide whether it's in the world of my classes and getting an A on this test or you know, being productive over here or whatever it may be. But it was in the daily stuff where I constantly failed, yeah. where ultimately uh, I think he was pleased in my attempt at making an offering. I think so. I, for me, I began seminary life with the reading of very saints. Um, I was born on the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi and so I had read his life when I was 14 and I happened to be in Assisi and so I just knocked on the door. I was so fascinated by his life. I knocked on the door at the monastery in Assisi and asked to join. And the friar looked at me and asked me how old I was. I said I was 14. He said, go home and ask your mother. So that was the end of my Franciscan career. There you go. Um, But I certainly was enamored by him. I don't think anyone that's ever read Life of St. Francis has not been enamored about the the troubadour of God, the, the incredible... Uh, adventurous and uh, and um, um, seemingly uh, incredibly generous figure. I don't know what how what were to kind of capture him by, but but he's sort of larger than life. And but I went on from that. And when I first went into seminary, I remember I read the life, the lives of the Desert Fathers. Probably wasn't the best thing for a choleric to start off with <laughs> because I got to seminary and it was so annoying to everyone. Because... So choleric means one who's a bit of a finger wagger. Oh, that's not all that it means. The one who's... That's, the, that's the deficit of being a choleric. That's choleric. true. Oh, you're it... very disciplined as well. That's the upside. Committed, disciplined, yeah, willful. Yeah, bulldozers. Um, willful. It's yeah. true. Okay. But unfortunately, they oftentimes leave a lot of wreckage behind them. Um, right. They plow through things. Right. But 
the they make a lot of noise, and like the hounds, like in the, the hounds background. Here. If you so hear any you snoring again, so then, when I got to seminary, I'm reading the lives of these desert fathers who did extraordinary penances, and I am not down on extraordinary penances. One should the saints have all done them, right? We're not suggesting that we can just simply get around those things. Um, but it's one thing to just simply imitate them, and another thing to be driven to them by by love of God and love for souls. So when I got to seminary, I got rid of my bed, you know, and I made a big show of it too, of course. You know, carting that thing down the hall. I can't believe you people sleep on beds. And right. and if someone was having a Snickers bar in the lounge, I'm like, you know, basically they gave him gall to drink kind of stuff. And, mm -hmm. and how dare you? Our Lord is suffering on the cross. And so you, basically we would not have been friends. We would not have been friends. Between the Snicker bar and the bed, um, I would have been out. <laughs> Well, it's one of the reasons we weren't friends for a while in the beginning, because I thought, no, this is not my kind of fella. He's he looks he's got some I had a very comfortable, comfortable couches. Uh. <laughs> but but I remember thinking to myself, at some point it finally dawned on me that I was capable of doing some fairly extraordinary things that were disciplining of the body because I was just, I was an athlete. You did that anyway. But I wasn't growing in any charity. <laughs> I was a jerk to live with and just mean and because I was tired all the time and I was hungry and I was just I was just callous. It's the worst possible thing for some colleagues to be able to pull off great feats of penance because we don't mortify the reason or mortify the will. You know, St. Philip Neri used to put three fingers on his forehead and said, this is the mortification you should do, which is mm -hmm. the mortification of the mind. And that's kind of getting to some of the things that you're mentioning with Mother Teresa about surrendering in an argument or or um not giving your choosing the harder thing choosing the harder thing or well choosing the harder thing is kind well, of right harder, sometimes but, it can be more yeah yeah but it i i gravitated in the end toward um not wanting to but i felt like i i got found rather than i found um saint catherine of siena um and you recall that sort of time period in, in seminary where i really really gravitated toward her and it was specifically because of her insistence on dwelling in the cell of self-knowledge. Um, and that's something I, I really could easily, or not easily, but desired and needed to imitate, to see oneself as they really are. But not just the cell of self-knowledge, but the cell, as she calls it, a cell is a room, um, not like a prison cell, but a, 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 just a, a, a cell unto yourself, or like a religious has a room unto themselves to be able to go and be alone with God your inner room, as it were. So the, the cell of self-knowledge and, and the knowledge of God, the two different rooms that you got to dwell in both. So, because if you don't if you don't see God, you'll fall into despair by just seeing yourself. But if you only see God and not yourself as you are, you fall into sort of presumption. That for me was something to imitate and still is that has brought me more incredible fruit. But I, A, I'm not a woman. I don't write letters to all the heads of state. I don't run around trying to get the Pope out of Avignon back to Rome. I mean, none of the particulars do I imitate. Right. But the, teaching of what she saw that was true for the soul is something that I could make my own. You know, I've just started listening on um, Audible, you know, the, the Audible books, Singrid Unset's Catherine Oh, very good. Is that a good Absolutely. version? Absolutely. Incredible. Yeah. So far, it's been really illustrative and paints a beautiful picture. Of course, she can paint a picture. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm assuming that it's fairly well researched. Absolutely. Right? That, that is a fantastic one. Um, Johannes Jorgensen uh, is a very, very fine biography on the life of St. Catherine. Um, St. Philip Neri, of course, was another one that I was 
I was was and am very enamored of because he battles against my tendencies. So it's mm. it's that desire of imitating something that I don't have right. and his capacity not to take himself very seriously. And that's that's helped me tremendously, especially with uh, the particular role that I have. Um, but see, that's a good that's a good insight there in the sense that it's not about you know one saint. I mean, all mm. of them are inspiring, right? I mean, mm. that's the bottom line. They're all inspiring. They're inspiring because we're all uh, aspiring to the same, and they did so so well, and they put life and color and hue to the whole thing. Mm. That even when they're contrasted with their previous life's failures, it's all the more inspiring because mm. you see the distance that they traveled, and so on and so forth. But when you look at one versus another and you say, this one's for me, um, it can be because there's something there that you wish uh, to emulate that you don't. Or there may be something that <clears throat> actually resonates, as you say, having similitude. Mm. And, but it's usually not just one, right? It's, it's a, it, there's several. Absolutely. And when you start to see that you have several, and you're appealing to the several, that may be a good sign that you're doing it correctly mm. in that you're not trying to put on the trappings of one saint That's so that point. you become one, That's that point. one, right? But by having multiples, what you're doing is you're using using them in the best sense uh, the way they ought to be. And it, it's it's a bit of a prescription, if you will, mm. uh, sort of a spiritual tailoring to to help you become yourself, to help you become more authentically that who God has called you to be. No, that's, that's beautiful. I like that. You ever have a saint you just don't? Don't have any <laughs> connection with it like, at all? Like I you don't read about the life of a saint, like, nah, it's not for me. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, uh, pretty much any saint who liked fasting. So, <laughs> no, no, I mean, that's uh, a joke, obviously. Um, sorry for my sniffles. I have uh, some allergies. It tends to be the season right now for me. Hmm. Um, yeah, but there, there are those you resonate more with, like you're on a wavelength. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there, there's sometimes there's things you just don't, you, you're not in the same wavelength, so you don't get it. Mm. Um, and then at some point something shifts. And I have to say, in many ways, Catherine Santa was that way because, you know, I, I looked at some of her writings in the dialogue and things like that. And so many of my friends around me, almost all of them are cholerics. You yeah, know. sorry about that. Yeah, well, the choleric... She definitely is. She, yeah, the choleric and Catherine Stanton go hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, that is a, a glove and hand fit. Um, but something struck me more recently, and I suddenly caught the same wavelength. Hmm. And I said, I want more of that. And so, uh, you know, it, it's amazing how you can look at a saint at one point in your life maybe read their writings or something about their life. And it just doesn't click. It doesn't register, yes. you know, in the same way. But then later on, circumstance change. Your mind is in a different place. And then you, you or, or something just hits you at the right moment and you catch, for lack of a better word, that wavelength. Absolutely. Right. And then at that point, you're, you're in. Like, I want more of this. And I think that, you know, we actually say in the creed that we believe in the communion of saints. Yeah, right? it's a belief. It's something that's de fide. We believe in that communion, and I I think that sometimes we we take for granted that we picked up this book at this time or what have you, and don't realize that the saints are the ones who are in pursuit. Like we 
We talk about patron saints of X as persons that we go to for a particular petition. But it's also the other way around insofar as saints are given, um, I think, souls and tasks to accomplish in their charity in heaven. And so I think that saints find us at different times in our lives to instruct us on certain things that we need. Then they can then that they can recede. You still love them, but they're not as potent as they were once because it's not their job at that time. And they come back. They're always part of your, part of your pantheon of friends, as it were, but not so much to to affect a, a certain chiseling in you that needs to happen at a given time. I mean, I certainly have always been enamored of of Saint Thomas Aquinas, and the more I read him, the more I I am just amazed by him and 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 Saint Dominic. And the various Dominican saints, but I realize as well that I'm Dominic had a kind of light and a simplicity and a purity that I will never be able to imitate. One because I simply don't have even remotely the amount of wattage that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, my my life is different. I'm not given over as a a full time uh, instructor. I do teach, um, but so I can't imitate that part. But what I can imitate in him is his his devotion to seeing the truth, to finding the truth wherever it lies. And that's, that's helped me as well insofar as sometimes we get in our bunkers, in our camps, and um, I, I can't find truth from that person or that person or that person. We simply don't make distinctions. We want to generalize everything. We want to either affirm or deny. We don't want to make distinctions. Um, and the breadth of his, his mind was only matched by the fact that he would pick up a grain of truth wherever he could find it. It was, it was not prejudiced about it. So it, it allows you to dialogue and talk with anyone to say, what do you know? What do you see? Um, based upon their own life, their own studies, whatever else. And you can make distinctions and maybe you don't agree with them, but you can learn from anyone. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been helpful for a choleric too. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, you kind of have to uh, learn wherever you can get it, to be quite honest. Yeah. That's a good. It's a good um, instinct. So, before we go, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if you have anything that you want to to jump on, but I will do a, a selfless, shameless plug only because you brought up this topic. I didn't know it was going to be the topic, but I just wrote a book um, on imitation. Ah, there you go. Um, it's called the Imitation of Saint Joseph. Um, because it, you're probably all aware, those of you who read Catholic books, that the the great and famous Thomas Kempis wrote. Uh, the Imitation of, of Christ, which, of course, is an absolute classic. Then various persons have attempted the imitation of Mary. And so Tan, about a year and a half ago, asked me to write a book called The Imitation of St. Joseph. I'm not in the caliber of those authors, uh, both in terms of their writing capacity, but also in terms of what they could possibly see relative to their sanctity. But I took a stab at it. It was a really fun exercise for me. So it just came out. Uh, actually, it's coming out October 4th, I think. Oh, how so, perfect. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. But I thought about that top, when you mentioned imitation, that's one of the things I wanted to deal with in that book in the first chapter. What do we mean by imitating someone else? So. Well, I'll be looking for the reviews to decide whether or not I want to buy it. <laughs> um, if you get three and a half stars or better, I I might uh, throw some of my continuing ad oh, money at that. But uh, Doubtful. Yeah, we'll doubtful. see. No, actually, I did see an advanced copy. They're, they're really handsomely done. No, they're nice books, yeah. They, they I mean, they, they lend themselves as a devotional. That's it. It's a devotional book. It's not a, it's not a study on St. Joseph per se. It's something that you, it was you made for on. the purpose of taking to the chapel and thinking about. So what I did relative to what we just mentioned is in the first part of the book, um, I just tried to figure out since Joseph didn't say anything, we have no knowledge really of a whole lot of certain knowledge of St. Joseph. 
I tried to figure out what he saw. So who were the persons that he would have attempted to imitate? And so I went through the patriarchs that he would have been familiar with, um, what he would have wanted to imitate, what he would have skewed relative to their failures. Since he's a just man, he would have embodied in that sense as a light of the patriarchs, we say about him in the, um, in the Litany of St. Joseph. So he would have had all the virtues, as it were, of the patriarchs before him. So I tried to build something on that, and then I, I went from there. But it was fun. That it sounds fun good. No, it, that's excellent. And that is sort of the genre and the literary form of all the, the imitation books. Right. That it's, it's, it's meant for um, digesting slowly and reflectively, and not just once. Right. Uh, right. Repetitive, you know, to read And not just one copy. And that's just what thousands of copies have them littered all around your home, <laughs> in your various cars and boats, and wherever you, wherever you can reach your arm, there should be uh, one available. There should be one available. So, all right. Well, since we're sharing projects, you know, um, I'm working on something far less creative uh, and much, much more practical, and that is a practicing Catholic guide. Um, uh, the goal of it is to help people just understand the program of what it means to be a practicing Catholic. Mm. I think in years past, and we can t talk about this as, a, as another time, or have another recording just about um, uh, how, how things have shifted over the years in passing down the practices of the faith. But I think in years past, uh, it was just inconceivable for someone to grow up in a Catholic home and not know the program, right? Yes. You do this, you do this, you do this. That doesn't mean it took deep root, but it means that you knew what you did and didn't do as a practicing Catholic. Um, and you understood what your obligations were and where your rights were. But for some reason, uh, over the past 50, 60 years, I think generationally, there are a lot of people who were raised Catholic, but never really got the practices uh, relative to attendance at Mass. I mean, even if somebody had a sense that they're supposed to go to Mass on Sunday, they probably didn't get the whole notion that they're supposed to go on feast days, certain feast mm. days, right? Uh, they they may not have any awareness about reception of Holy Communion. They may have no awareness whatsoever with respect to the practice of an interior life or a prayer life. Or, That's great. Or obligations like in society. Book. Yeah, it's it's something that's kind of has say this is what it means to be a practicing Catholic, and it's not my version of reality. I painstakingly tether it to the teachings and disciplines of the Church. Yeah, well said. In all of its footnotes. In connection so you can see that this isn't just Winslow's version of what it means to be Catholic yeah because that version might be a little bit too easy um. <laughs> <laughs> well it, that may be true that may be true no I, you tethered it as you said I tethered it I try to keep myself out of the it. church no it's I think you even mentioned to me that you were gonna call the body make them the kind of thing that yeah. you can take with you and um, to be able to to really have as a, a bit of a, a, a roadmap and a guide and mm -hmm. to say, okay, if I'm doing my examination of conscience, if I'm looking at my life, where am I with this? Um, that's great. That's wonderful. What is so, it So, what's that? I, well, I'm in the final stages. As you know, I'm throwing you a, a version to take your, your hefty red pen to and um, tried it out with a, a few people, um, regular, uh, lay faithful, and see how they um, how they receive it, get some insights or thoughts or recommendations from them, so that it lands properly. And uh, once I incorporate those bits of feedback, then I'll probably go to the same publisher as I as you have, Tambooks, 
and talk to them about uh, putting it out there. Uh, of course, they've been aware that I've been working on it. Right, so. right, right. They're the, they're the new sponsor of our podcast. That's right, yeah. exactly. So, so definitely uh, take a look at the things that they're offering because they're doing an amazing job yeah. at uh, trying to meet the needs of the moment. You know, the president, Conor Gallagher, we've known him for eons. And yeah. he's, I've known him since he was in high school, and he said to me recently that he's he just wants to make books that make people's souls beautiful. Yeah, and books that help people's interior life, their their holiness, their sanctity. They're trying to steer away from you know, this, that, or the other that might just be a distraction, but making sure that cla- like the, like the classic spiritual books and and new spiritual books to just help people to grow in sanctity. Which is, I think, ultimately why it's so easy for us to endorse them. Um, yeah. Because that is what the mission is. Yeah, uh, it's not anything much beyond that. We don't get paid to say this, by the way. We don't, get paid, we don't get paid. Period. I mean, he does period. have fifteen <laughs> children, so he does have to make a living, right? But no, he's a wonderful man, wonderful, beautiful. But aside family. from his own personal tribe that he has to feed, uh, he is true. he he and the, the company is doing amazing things yep. relative to helping people today. So with that, um, I think we're gonna call it a day. We'll call it a day. God bless you all, and we'll talk to you soon. Very good. Thanks for listening to this episode of From the Rooftop. For updates about new episodes, special guests, and exclusive deals for From the Rooftop listeners, sign up at rooftoppodcast.com. And remember, for more great ways to deepen your faith, check out all the spiritual resources available at tanbooks.com. And we'll see you again next time. From the Rooftop. Rooftop.